Most of you probably think of Roller Grill Hot Dogs when you think of a convenience store, but over the past few years, the C-Store landscape has changed drastically. Sector is seeing increased food service activity as retailers fully leverage consumer data to introduce better value options that may meet consumers' needs. I'm Chris Campbell of the Food Institute, and join us today as Scott Love of Circana, formerly IRI, helps us navigate the current convenience store landscape. It's coming to you right now on the Food Institute Podcast. Now, before we get started, I did want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, and that is Lazard. Lazard, one of the world's preeminent financial advisory and asset management firms, operates from 41 cities across 26 countries in North America, Europe, Asia, Australia, Central America, and South America. With origins dating to 1848, the firm provides advice on mergers and acquisitions, strategic matters, restructuring and capital structure, capital raising and corporate finance, as well as asset management services to corporations, partnerships, institutions, governments, and individuals. Lazard's private market advisory group provides customized advice on mergers and acquisitions, debt and equity recapitalizations, and financial restructurings to mid-sized companies across a broad range of industries. Their consumer food and retail group has played key advisory roles in some of the most important, complex, and industry-defining transactions. For more information, please visit www.lazard.com, or you can follow Lazard on Twitter, at Lazard. Now, with that out of the way, we welcome Scott Love of Circana to the show. Scott, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about yourself so our audience can get a little bit more familiar with you. Thanks for having me on. I work for Circana, uh, formerly IRI and MPD have come together and we're now known as Circana. Um, I've been in the industry for 30 years in, in a variety of roles and um, now work with uh, some of our grocery clients, as well as some of our convenience clients. And thanks for that intro. And for those who don't know, Circana is now the combined entity of IRI and MPD. Um, so that was some recent news. But yeah, they're definitely operating under that name now. I think what I'd like to do is open up with a talk about loyalty in the convenience store space. Um, here at the Food Institute, we've been watching food service and grocery retailers really lean into these loyalty programs. I'm wondering if you can tell us if this is happening on the C-Store side as well. Yeah, we've seen... An, uh we're seeing now in convenience what we saw in other channels 10 years ago where there's a heavy push by retailers to grow their loyalty programs, set up loyalty programs and expand those and and use those as tools to better engage and understand uh, their shoppers. So that's, that's something that's newer to C-Store. They've had loyalty programs for quite a while, but the growth and the focus on them is, is something newer and we're really seeing retailers focus on them uh, using initiatives like uh, exclusive offers for loyalty cards, uh, cash and fuel discounts, uh, online ordering, delivery orders, a number of means to drive that loyalty participation. So I see what kind of deals they're offering for that customer data. I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what these companies are doing with that data. Uh, are they using it for different product assortment? What could you tell us about that? For product assortment, to better understand shopping occasions, what's in the basket, what's purchased together, the given loyalty of, of an item within an assortment. So for example, uh, within a given category, you may have an item that's um, towards the, the slower end of sales, but that item is really critical to your most important shoppers. And so looking at assortment from a holistic store perspective versus just a categories perspective is one way that they're using them. 
but understanding traffic, what, what works, how to engage with better with shoppers, um, what offers work to, to get the engagement that you want, drive those incremental trips, uh, larger basket sizes. All of those analyses are, are what they're working on. And what about private label? Are they using this to kind of inform some of their decision making on that side as well? Some. Uh, I expect we're going to see more of that. Um, and we'll get into this in a bit with one of the drivers of inflation is that you're seeing more C-store retailers expand their private label offerings and adjust their assortments to have more value-based offerings. So with that, uh, shoppers becoming more price sensitive, I think you're going to see some of the private label or more value brands be targeted in those loyalty campaigns. And something you brought up on one of the pre-calls that I thought was pretty interesting is that you said some C-stores are even setting up uh, retail media networks. Now, obviously, we've already seen this across some of the bigger grocery channels, um, you know, creating these retail media networks. But I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about what these C-stores are doing and how they're kind of getting involved in this aspect of the business? Yeah, they're getting really creative with it. And I expect we've seen a couple go out live already. And I know there are several others that are exploring the potential. There's a large opportunity. They're using it for a number of ways. One, to better engage with their shoppers. Um, and then two, to to partner and engage with manufacturers. Um, some of the retailers are using it as a way for manufacturers to test new items. So being kind of a prototype test, you target shoppers that, that would appeal to that product, and then you can see if it's working. So better engagement, getting better offers for your shoppers and then um as a as a means they have c-store retailers have the ability some of them to expose ads in ways that that maybe a grocery retailer doesn't there are c-store retailers that have the ability to expose targeted ads at the pump through the monitors there so that's something that's unique and different and um i expect we're going to see more of those come out uh like i said there's a couple out there today and they're they're delivering uh, above ex initial expectations from what we've seen and heard. And um, so I think you're going to see kind of a wave of these come out like we've seen in grocery. So yeah, it'll be fun to keep an eye on that in the months and years to come and see how those develop. Uh, one of the things you brought up was, you know, innovative products or new products. And one of the products that really seems to be driving growth for C-Stores is beverages. So I'm wondering what you can tell us about that dynamic. Yeah, beverages overall are growing for the latest 52 weeks. Uh, basically double the the total store performance. So they're up 8.1% 8, 8 on a dollar basis and the total store is growing at 4%. So they're growing and it's a big piece of C-Store overall. Packaged beverages are 21% of the total sales in the channel. The obvious players, you have energy drinks. One of the things that's, that's newer that's also growing is specialty coffee, juices, and teas. C-Store retailers are are really going after um, some of the specialty coffee players and having a value in comparison and, and are doing quite well throughout the day in those in those beverages. Um, but there, yeah, beverages is a, a definite growth vehicle for the channel over the last year. And I think I'd like to drill into that a little bit more. So we're talking about specialty coffees here, juices, even teas. Uh, they're growing in popularity at C-Stores, not just the energy drinks, right? And I'm wondering, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the changing demographics of the people who are actually shopping at these stores? I thought that was one of the more interesting things you brought up when we first spoke. Yeah, so outside of a typical uh, C-Store cohort, you have middle income and middle-aged households are the drivers of sales for growth in beverage, coffee, and tea. 
So Gen X is the the top cohort for beverage sales at C-Store over the last three years, and they were the top contributor, again, in the latest 52 weeks. So you have some diversification there. You're going after different shoppers, and you're taking some occasions from places, from some of the specialty coffee shops and and other of those. Um, so younger boomers are, are showing an increased focus in coffee and tea, uh, growing at, at almost the same rate as Gen X. And um, coffee, tea, and juice are are the highest growth in 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 purchase rates. So they're they're really kind of driving that business. And you have uh, kind of that expansion into middle income and middle aged households uh, are are helping drive that boom. And one of the last things on beverages I want to talk about is just canned cocktails uh, and, you know, alcoholic beverages in general. I know a lot of C-stores across the country, you could stop in and grab some beer, et cetera. But we're starting to see at least a rise in canned cocktails. Obviously, Seltzer had its moment a couple of years ago during the pandemic. I'm wondering how this is impacting sales at convenience stores. Are you seeing any kind of rise with those types of products? Yeah, those products are newer to the channel. They're newer to the industry. Um, they Alcohol, alcoholic beverages do very well in C-Store overall. Beer has been a, a long-standing, very strong category uh, for the channel. Premixed cocktails and coolers have, are growing at a 50% clip year over year. Uh, they are growing on a distribution basis. They're up about 33% on distribution. So they're, they're growing beyond their increase in number of items or number of uh, doors that they're in. So they're, they're growing quite well. I think it's an interesting opportunity for the channel. You're seeing some of those sell in places uh, where there's state liquor control. And so you can't sell spirits out of the given stores, but the the canned cocktails and coolers are are legal to sell. And they're, they're grabbing a nice uh, footprint in the channel right now. It's definitely very interesting, um, and I'd like to switch gears a little bit here to another part of the convenience store. And I know most people, when they think of you know legacy convenience stores, they're thinking food service options are basically those overcooked hot dogs on the rotating grill. Clearly, things have changed over the last couple of years. Food service is really improving at these stores. You know, it's definitely a target for a lot of the larger operators. Can you tell me a little bit about what's behind these enhanced offerings? It's interesting. Uh, like you said, historically, the channel's known for the the roller hot dogs, and those still are doing quite well, big piece of the business. But what, what's happened is that you have a number of retailers that are very savvy. They, they make fresh items in the store, and that drives extra loyalty, um, extra trips, incremental dollars to the channel. And what's interesting, when you look at who the channel is actually competing with, in that part of the store, it's not other C-store retailers and it's not grocery. They're competing with actually quick serve restaurants and they're doing quite well and growing in various day parts uh, versus quick serve restaurants. Especially now as you go into an inflationary period, a lot of these offerings from the C-store have real value on a per meal basis compared to QSRs and other competitors. So it's a way to retain your trips and and eating occasions uh, versus uh, some of the competition. When when a retailer has a good program and when food service items are in the trip, it accounts for 43% of their overall basket size. And interestingly enough, over half of U.S. consumers purchased food service items from a C-store in the last year. So it's, it's high penetration. 
it's high value and the retailers that are doing well with it are are really winning loyalty from their shoppers. And it makes me wonder if there's like a customizability aspect to this. You know, you go to a specific QSR, they have a contract with one of the two, you know, big software and companies. If you go to a convenience store, you're not really locked into those same kind of choices. Do you think this kind of plays into some of the rising popularity for the C-Store channel in general when it comes to food service? I do. I think that the C-Store has a number of ways that they can win versus QSRs. One of them, like you said, is you have a large variety of beverages. You have a lot of options beyond that. The other thing is that you have people on staff that can execute and uh, customize items as they are. We're seeing a lot of chains uh, really expand their fresh food offerings. And one of the other things they're getting into is they're getting into, um, you know, they have some really indulgent items, but they also have some some healthy items available. And it's it's helping uh, really compete with those QSRs. And one thing I wanted to bring up too is, you know, I've seen there are partnerships with food service um, versus, you know, convenience stores that are leveraging their own brands. Uh, I guess, you know, locally, I know one of my convenience store operators has a Burger King inside of it, for example, but you also have operators like say Wawa that are making your own. So I'm wondering in your mind, what's the winning formula here? Is there one option a company should look at? Should they do their own internal food service? Should they make these partnerships? How do you kind of make all of that uh, make sense in your mind? It's a tough decision. I think it's a strategic decision. There are opportunities to partner with uh, a Burger King or, or another chain. Uh, a number of operators do that. Uh, we also see a lot of retailers that that build it all in-house and won't share their space with uh, a third party. And, and if you execute that well, then you get higher margins, you get higher trips, right? If you have a Burger King or a McDonald's on site, you can, you pick up an extra trip, but maybe 70% of their basket or other pieces come from that a uh, restaurant versus from your store. If you build it in-house, you make it and execute well, then the total basket goes through your register. It is a challenge though. It takes staffing and it takes training. It takes uh, dedication from a total chain perspective to be able to really pull that off successfully. But we're seeing the ones that do are doing very well with it. And I'd like to circle back a little bit here. You know, we were talking about how C-stores are effectively competing with food service operators on the value front. When it comes to day parts, where are C-stores really shining at this point? Their strongest piece is the PM snack. So think of as you're driving home from work, you stop by, you grab a number of items from the C-store. They're doing incredibly well. They have a, a just under a 34 share versus 17 share for uh, QSRs. So that piece they, they own and they, they do very well where they've grown is in the morning meal. They're up nearly 3% versus a year ago. And that that's, uh, still potential, more potential for them. That's where the specialty coffee comes in and all of that being able to win that trip on the way to work versus a Starbucks or other specialty coffee places is a big move for C-Store and an opportunity as you're seeing some of the operators upgrade their their coffee offerings and uh, morning food items to really win that loyalty. They've also been growing in dinner, and that goes to 
we have retailers that have very good pizza offerings or a number of things that are driving that. So the the largest food type that's that's growing in C store over the last year has been pizza, hot dogs, and cold cut combos. So it fits kind of into those windows: pizza, dinner, hot dog could be a, a PM snack or a dinner replacement. Uh, cold cut combo is kind of that afternoon. Uh, sometimes people are picking up it in the morning and then eating it at lunch. So that's where they've they've been winning over the last year. And I'd like to zoom out a little bit, and I'm just wondering from your perspective, how's the M&A market affecting the C-Store industry in the current day? M&A and C-Store exist hand in hand and have for uh, as long as I've been in the industry. It's still a relatively fragmented channel compared to other channels. There's many players. There's a lot of regional players in the convenience channel. And what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot of those mid-size, you know, three, 400 store count chains aggressively grow. They see an opportunity and they're, they're growing. And then you also see some other chains that are exploring sales. So you're going to see, I think over the next year or so, you're going to see a lot of these uh, kind of, there's still going to be a, it's still going to be a fragmented channel, but you're seeing uh slow consolidation continue to happen where uh winning retailers with strong models are growing their store counts effectively whether that's organic stores or acquisition you're seeing a lot of both kind of playing out there and i think it's going to continue and i think looking towards you know the last three quarters of 2023 what do you think the biggest challenge is going to be for c stores do you think it's going to be inflation do you think you know, there's going to be something else that's going to affect them in a way that it's not going to affect the rest of the food industry. How do you see the rest of this year playing out? The number one thing is inflation. Um, in inflationary periods, we see across all channels a consolidation of of uh, purchases, right? So uh, convenience is not the lowest price channel. And there is risk of some of those trips floating to other channels, dollar, drug, grocery. And so there is that that's playing there. And then how to address inflation and how to manage it. We're seeing shoppers trade down a lot within a category to date. They've been able to hold on to trips and basket size. But within the given category, maybe people were buying a premium brand before, but now they're buying a mid-tier or a private label or value brand as in, if inflation continues, which it looks like it will, the risk is that some of those categories, instead of the value brand or private label, now they just leave the category and buy that from another channel. That's a risk. And we have a number of retailers that are doing uh, a number of actions to try and address that, expanding uh, value private label assortment, um, working with manufacturers on pricing, uh, whether that's promotion pricing or using loyalty to target and, and offset some of those uh, pricing increases. The the risk is other channels, right? Do they, do they get aggressive and, and pull some of those trips? And then the last thing is the, the legislation floating around on tobacco. Do those stick? Uh, tobacco is still a very large category for convenience, much larger than any other channel in terms of relative importance to the store. What does that look like? How does that shape uh, as things like flavored cigarettes or other bands start coming in place? Uh, do those sales float to other uh, tobacco offerings or does it leave the category entirely? And does that trip 
leave the channel. Those are all things that convenience retailers are thinking about and how to address and how to work through and how to engage with those shoppers to retain those trips. Scott, thank you so much for spending some time today on the Food Institute podcast. I'm wondering if anyone wants to learn a little bit more about you or Circana, where can they go? To circana.com, C-I-R-C-A-N-A.com. On there, you have a list of our full capabilities, offerings. Uh, please visit and, and reach out. Very happy to help in any way we can. Awesome. And as always, you can take a look in the description of this episode for a direct link to Circana's website. But that's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. We'll catch you next time. This is Chris Campbell, signing off. 